right. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Growing Up Gay with Vaughn and Malik. It's your boy, Vaughn. It's your boy, Malik. We in this thing. So, Malik, how have you been for uh, the past week since we've recorded? It's been a week. You guys were back on, you know, I'm not going to say back on track, but you guys are lucky <laughs> because uh, we were able to fit another episode in. But I've been well. Um, well, 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 like, you, you guys, this whole yoga thing has just been going so well for me. Like, it's just growing, growing, growing. I'm teaching penthouse yoga on the 17th. So if you guys are interested, register. The link is in my bio. So I've just been kind of working on that with the whole with this marketing team that's putting it on, which, which has been fun. And I took some pictures with them. And I did this super amazing yoga photo shoot last week with this guy named um, Bruce. So shout out, to, shout out to legendary Bruce out of Minneapolis for being like such a dope guy, man. It's just amazing when you're able to collaborate with other amazing people of color who are dope and who are accepting and who really just want to like be about like lifting others up like it just was such a good time shooting with him so we took some amazing pictures cannot wait to post them nice. and yeah and work you've really been on your yoga shit like i'm very proud of you oh thank um, you so much friend you've really like no but seriously like it's been knowing malik for as long as i've known malik it's been really cool to watch him really find something that's his something that he's truly passionate about something that he's built confidence in and is now pursuing, especially as someone that's kind of looking for their own thing, if you will. Um, it's really dope to see. So I'm, I'm very proud of you, friend. Very proud of you. That's sweet, friend. Yeah. I think it's important for us to find that thing and to like hone it. And for me, like yoga is definitely one of those things for me. So I'm excited about just sharing it with everybody because it's, it's, it's holistic. It's seriously, it's awesome. Like I just want to share it and give it away. So. Free yoga, penthouse, works awesome. If you're in ATL, you know. make sure you catch him. If you're in ATL, come <clears throat> come down, check, uh, follow me at Malik Khalid Yoga, and you can uh, register. The link is in my bio. So, I've been well. Friend, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. I've been doing a lot of uh, reflecting, yeah. a lot of um, planning. I'm a planner. Anybody that knows me. I'm I love a bitch loves to plan I really do <laughs> like I love to plan um I'm really trying to get ready for 2019 2018's basically done um we have a few Thanksgiving plates to hand out and a Christmas gift or two to unwrap and this shit is done so I'm I'm I have my mindset on 2019 <clears throat> so um I've just been trying to get all that stuff ready I've been like I said, on my four months of focus. Um, yes, yes, yes. And I'm, I, I've really been trying to like refocus and get myself together and stay committed to everything that I want for myself. Uh, so that's really what I've been. You know, work has been kicking my ass as usual. Um, but you know, that's that's <laughs> hopefully no, 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 not hopefully. That is going to change shortly. So, you know, I'm just preparing myself for that change and getting my shit together. Get my shit together. Just and speaking together. of, just get speaking it, just of get getting it together. It together. <laughs> That's awesome. And this whole four months of focus thing is, I mean, it's. I think it's gonna be so so awesome for you and I just because we're doing it together. Like, um, I started day two of my cleanse, which is awesome. Ooh, nice. What kind of cleanse are you doing? So I've just been doing fruits and vegetables <clears throat> only. 
Wow. And, okay. Nice. And like throwing in some nuts, you know, in the mix. But um, it's been going. It's no, like you know, I'm feeling. It's no good. nut November, but that's a different kind of nut. Listen, this whole no nut November thing, I have definitely nutted, so I'm out. Well, I mean, sir. <laughs> I am out. I can't even lie. Not I you cancel yourself out. And I was thinking, I was thinking, damn, I was out on the first, like, seriously. <laughs> like, when I listen, saw it. Listen, you couldn't even come in because you was already out. <laughs> <laughs> I was, like, literally out of that thing, like, whoa. Okay, Dead. I missed that train. <laughs> Dead. Dead. But, yes. If anybody else is doing uh, four months of focus, uh, four blah. If anyone else is doing four months of focus, please be sure to let me know. I would love to hear how it's going for y'all. Um, it's going okay for me. I, I we'll talk about this when we get to our get it together segment for me. But you know, if you are participating, please let me know. Please. Damn. Damn. And well, since we've already kind of touched on it, we might as well. Yeah, let's just go straight get to into get it, it together. Yes. So you guys, we are in the middle of, well, the midterms have just ended, but we still are like right in the middle of all of the aftermath from all of the midterm elections. Mm-hmm. I mean, some amazing people um, were able to win and some people that were publicized nationally, unfortunately, um, are having to fight for their lives, but that's no surprise when it comes to black people. That's what we're used to. We're used to having to fight, and we're used to having right. to make motherfuckers be fair. But what I want to talk about today is voter suppression, and I want to talk about it in a different way than how we normally hear about it. Normally, when we hear about voter suppression, it's around the context of, you know, Shame. like... Yeah, uh, yeah, but also around, like, the whole exact match law, which is some bullshit. But... I want to talk about it around social media and how we shame people um, essentially when they don't vote and how we do a really fucked up job at building community and bringing people in with us and really explaining the importance of why voting is important and how and and really and really shining a light on just the day to day common things or maybe not so common of how policies and people affect the quality of life that we have. And I just feel Mm -hmm. like, unfortunately, we do ourselves a disservice when we don't get, when we don't have the best tools or the best communication skills, or even when when we don't take the time to do the research on the candidate stuff. So then when people want to know, oh, why is it important for me to vote? We're not able to tell them. Right. We, we We just get mad like, oh, you should be voting because of this, this, this. Like, no, tell people why you're voting for Stacey Abrams if, if, if that's who you're voting for. Tell people why you're voting for Kemp if that's who you're voting for. Like, don't just be on this, you know, propaganda train, running around, screaming on social media, get out and vote. Like, let's really start being able to tell people get why. Get your ass out and vote. <laughs> Listen, that's yo, all she cool. ki- Yo, she <laughs> heals me. Oh my gosh! Shout out to the mother. (laughs) The mother of Black Black Hollywood is so fucking funny. Like Jennifer Lopez is telling us to vote. Get your ass out here and vote. Get your ass out and vote. (laughs) Her vibrato and how she sings that always takes me down. Um, I do agree though. I think I was when we were discussing it earlier. I was letting Malik know that I have opposing um, an opposing viewpoint in regards to that. Um, and I think that it's kind of the same viewpoint that I have in regards to homosexuality, in regards to blackness, in regards to pretty much everything else. Um, it's 2018. 
if you don't know why it's important for you to vote, that is something that you and Google need to take up with each other. Um, I, I, I do, I will say, I think it is it, it is important for us to um, to learn and it is important for us to teach um, our, our, our people, or even if they aren't our people, people in general, it is important for us to teach and educate those on why it is important to vote. Um, but I also think it's kind of like, we just had the 2016 elections. Uh, we've seen the aftermath of all that. If you don't know why at this point in present day, why it's important for you to vote, especially for the people that do the whole third party thing, here, here is my, here is my viewpoint. At this point, you should understand it's left or right. There is no middle. There is no, you know, I'm raising my hands and I'm not voting. It's either you let those right wing, um, white supremacist, uh, people with white supremacist ideologies take over, or you stand up for something. I feel like what happens, especially for those that that fall on the whole I'm not going to vote or I'm going to vote in the middle. Uh, those people, in my personal opinion, are trying so hard not to be um, sheep that they don't realize that they're, in turn, allowing a lot of ignorance to propel and, and, and grow and, and be further perpetuated. And it's, like I said, it's it's not... Right now isn't the time to to sit in the middle. Right now isn't the time to do nothing. If you wanna, if you wanna, if you wanna do nothing, throw your vote away to the blue. Don't just throw it to no one. Cause if 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 nothing else, you've seen what red. And I'm just gonna refer to them as red. You've seen what red has done for the country so far. You've seen what's done to us, the us so far. You see what. You see their viewpoints. You see what they stand for. You see what they allow. You see the people that support those people, what what kind of things they say, what kind of things they stand for. And none of that is that the especially for black people, especially for queer people, especially for anyone that isn't a white man, essentially. It, it's always mind blowing to me when those people choose to do nothing or choose to sit in the middle and waste their vote. Like there's especially seeing how close it is Stacy with Stacey Abrams and Andrew Gillum seeing how close those races are and how we're we're biting our nails waiting for final you know the final outcome and we're like some some in some states it was literally a difference in in, in a few thousand like literally 2000 or a few hundred votes through cer- certain um states in thir- in certain directions and it's like it's too pivotal of a time right now for people to, to do nothing and for people to, to stand in ignorance and say, well, I didn't vote because like Tariq Nasheed, oh my gosh, I, I don't even want to discuss him on the show. Like I hate even mentioning his name. I'm not, he's, I'm not sure who that is. Tariq Nasheed, he's, um, how do I say this? He's loud and wrong. He's one mm. of those black um, nationalists, you know. Spe- spreading propaganda. Right. Okay. Um, and, and he was attacking Rihanna um, saying, you know, the Democrats have, you know, gotten Rihanna and Beyonce to, to, you know, try and convince those like him to, to vote, um, when they need to be focusing on, you know, other things. And he was basically making a lot of really ignorant arguments. And he was basically, he was even saying that like African Americans are stupid for voting because, you know, all these, all these people that are, are, 
campaigning or campaigning for the rights of the LGBTQ are campaigning for the rights of immigrants, but aren't campaigning for the rights of African Americans. And to me, that's the kind of logic that I, I I get so offended by when when people cloak black people into African Americans because there are so many African Americans that don't realize black people are immigrants. Black as people. As a whole. So it's like there's yeah. this xenophobia in the African-American community from those kind of African-American people. And it drives me insane because it's like you don't realize what you're saying. You're you're not even looking for equality. You're not even looking for pro, uh, premise for the African-American community, community. You're looking for supremacy. You want to be like these evil white men. And it's like you don't even it's like they don't even realize that's what they're what they're doing, what they're saying, because there are black immigrants. There are black LGBTQ people. There are African-American LGBTQ people. So it's like, why wouldn't African-American people sit on the side of that? Like the only people that aren't oppressed are white men. Like really let that sit, sit sink in. Right. The only people that aren't oppressed are white men. Everybody else is oppressed. Literally, every white women are oppressed. Now, there's levels of oppression, and we're not doing the oppression Olympics. Uh, we're not. So, for me, it's mind blowing as a country when people can't like literally look back and say, "Okay, nothing Republican benefits me." Like there was this young lady on Twitter that said, "Like, well, she she you know is a champion for the LGBT community, but as a Christian, she stands firmly in her you know pro choice." values and that's why she voted republican well i'm sorry pro-life not pro-choice she stands firmly in her pro-life values that's why she voted republican and i'm like do you not realize that republicans are doing nothing but stifling the life of actual living people you're standing strong and trying to quote unquote defend the rights of niggas that ain't even here yet but you can't defend the ones that are already here that that makes no sense to me so as as someone like I said, I understand the whole we should educate our people and, you know, we should teach and we shouldn't harp and we shouldn't be, you know, harsh. We should be understanding and we should look. But, bitch, it's not 1962. I'm not like there's books available. Like, do your own research. At this point, I'm trying to get to to get to the get to the the, the, the what's important. And what's important is that you need to be voting, because at the end of the day, Every vote that isn't a vote for democracy, that isn't a vote for equal rights, is a vote for red. It's a vote for the alt-right. It's a vote for for further, you know, stifling of cultures. It's a vote for ignorance. It's a vote for fucking white supremacy at this point. So that's why for me, I'm just like, oh, That's why I think it's so important for us to continue to bring people in because, I mean... Just the other day I was on Facebook and there was a girl who didn't even understand that the electoral college wasn't involved with local elections. So when you have people <laughs> like when you have people that that Well don't she just wasn't know listening that, to social studies. I think she was that's not why it's so I think that's why it's even more important that we are like saying, Hey, who the fuck are you voting for again? And why are you voting for this person? And this is why you need to be voting? Like, I think the people that are informed have to inform the ones that that are misinformed. Like, I think that's the whole... That's just the lay of the land. That's how it's always been. And I think that if we ever get too high and mighty in our views that you just should know, then it's going to be a lost cause. Like, you get more with sugar than you do with shit. And we have to be... And I think they would be really careful with our messaging like yes 
advocacy work is important. It is. It is. It's so important. But it's all. But the tone of the conversation is also important too. And I think that there are a lot of people that sometimes end up just shying away from certain things just because people don't take the time or they're too high uh, or, you know, they're just too far along in, the, in their shit to feel like they need to in- include the person with their education. That's true. Yeah. So I just think that, yeah, it's both, but we still can like slow down sometimes. Like, hey, listen. Slow I'm, down. I just want to get, just wanna get to, know to know you. Don't turn around. What happened to him? Oh, I, I, I know. I know. <laughs> Life. This Life nigga, hit him this real nigga, hard. This nigga too busy getting caught up with everybody um, on social listen, media. Listen, he too he too busy getting caught up, all right. Please. Bobby Valentino, get it together. <laughs> Actually, no, he doesn't have to because I would not purchase anything from him. So, you know, listen, it's, fine. I, it's fine. I'm good. I'm good. We good. <laughs> we um, see each other. Right. Listen, I, listen, listen, that is why we're friends. Because. <laughs> we stay. Anyway, um, my get it together for this week, um, like I said, as I'm on my format to focus, I'm trying to get back to a place of routine and structure and order. And I've really just, I don't know what it is, <clears throat> but like. A light bulb run off in my head and I was like hey um, right <laughs> like <laughs> hey um, you've been kind of stumbling fumbling and falling for the past three months or so um, what the fuck what is what are you doing now uh, that is so different or what aren't you doing now or what haven't you been doing that has been causing you to stumble and fumble and I've realized it's I haven't been routine I haven't been structured I haven't I use, anyone that knows me, especially if you're around me while I was losing the majority of the weight that I've lost, because um, I've lost 90 pounds. So anyone that was like around me when I was like really in it, I was very militant. Like my you mother are, and her friends used to always like make fun of me because, or not make fun of me, but they used to joke with me that like come hell or high water, nothing is throwing me off of my my like focus. Like I used to get up every morning, make my juices. Um, I used to meal prep religiously. I used to go to the gym no matter what, even if I wasn't feeling well. Even if I didn't do like a full workout, I would still go and do something, go be physical in some way. And granted, moving to New York has like kicked my ass. And I think realizing that I'm no longer interested in the operations, well, not realizing because I realized that a while ago, but like really sitting with the fact that I'm no longer interested in the career field or path that I'm in. Um, and kind of figuring out what's next has what's next has definitely been hard for me, and it's kind of thrown me into like a little bit of a like a funk. I don't want to call it a depression per se. I mean, there's definitely been like some days where I've gotten home from work and just been like, "Was this all a mistake? Should I have stayed my ass in Atlanta?" Like, um, and just really being frustrated with my job in general. Um, <clears throat> but I realized that like a lot of my frustration really comes from not being happy with where I am currently. And I realized, like I said, what haven't I been doing? And like, I have not been structured at all. I've been eating whatever I've been, you know, not meal prepping, which is so, by the way, not meal prepping is costly. It, it, it destroys you. Motherfucker. It's it expensive. Fuck destro- it is expensive. 
Like, yeah. I look at like how Eating much money out I spend. is so expensive. <laughs> so fucking expensive. And I, like I said, it's been. A, I've been. I was on my my grind for like two years, two and a half years. So I never really noticed, like how expensive eating out was because that wasn't something I ever did. Like, I hardly ever, ever ate out. Um, But, like, I was, you know, again, I love Excel spreadsheets. So I was, you know, doing some finances this morning, looking over some stuff as, again, again, I'm preparing for the next year. And, like, I was like, bitch, you have spent a lot of fucking money on, like, Grubhub and, like, Mm -hmm. Uber Eats, especially, like, in New York because, like, in Atlanta, it's so hard to get, at least where I lived, it's so hard to get, like, food. Like, I never Grubhubbed. I never Uber Eats. Like, I had to get in my car to go, because I had a car. I would get in my car to go get in anything. And that's like a, a 15, 20 Especially where 20 you minute, live, bitch. Especially where I live, because I lived in the boondocks. In the sticks. Like, in the sticks. So that's yeah. like, at least, I'm looking at at least 20 minutes just to go get, like, Zaxby's. And it's easy to talk yourself out of getting up and going to get something versus, like, if you drive, pressing a button. Sure. If you have to just press a button and food is going to pop up at your door, you're going to press that button. <laughs> so so I'm, uh, I'm trying to, uh, not trying, I'm getting back into my, my focus and my routine. So I'm back on meal prepping. So I'm just, want, my get it together uh, for this week is, is routine and focus. Um, meal prepping, drinking water religiously, taking care of myself, uh, going to the gym. Like I'm just trying so to get mine. back on that routine, going to sleep on time, all that stuff. So when you, so when you like feel, I guess, for, for lack of a better word, weak, right? And you feel like mm-hmm. yourself falling off. How do you plan on like keeping yourself centered and being able to come back to what you know is fact and true, like what you want to do? Like how do you stay stay the course? Like when you fall off, or if you have the the thought of falling off, like what's right. going to be your your thing to stay accountable? Um, you know what. I'm really actually really happy you said that because I had this discussion with myself because I'll be totally honest. One of my biggest problems is late night eating. Um, I and it, it, I've kind of pinpointed it to um, like when I was little, I, I stayed at home by myself a lot. Um, my parents, my mother and father both raised me to be very independent. So like I always joke and say that like at eight, I knew how to like clean a house top to bottom and make myself dinner. And when I say dinner, I don't mean like toast or like you know, microwavable pizza, like, I was eight knowing how to, like, thaw the chicken, season the chicken, put it in the oven, or fry it, or bake it, or, you know, stew it, saute it, like, whatever the case may be, put the rice on the, at, like, eight, I knew all of this, right, and I also knew how to eat snacks, so, (laughs) (laughs) one of, one of, (laughs) listen, listen, I loved me a snack, so, but, like, no, seriously, like, my, my, my siblings, because I have old older siblings, I'm the baby in my family, and my mother was always working. So, like, often they would come home and find me, like, in front of the TV with, like, Doritos or, like, going to some kind of some kind of cake. <laughs> going to town. Going to town. And that was how I fell asleep for a really long time. Like, I would literally <laughs> eat myself to sleep uh, because I would watch TV and eat until I fell asleep. And it's a condition that I'm generally, like, genuinely having to, like, fight at nighttime. I get hungry out of nowhere. And I know I'm not actually hungry. I'm just wanting to eat because it's so ingrained in me. And I remember going through this process when I was losing the weight before. And it was just, I literally had to talk myself out of it. Or I had to find ways around it. Whether it's eating something clean at night. Or simply just saying, no bitch, go to bed. Like Exactly. You, you're going to 
Dude, go to fucking not, bed. Right. Yes. Go to sleep, ho. Like this is not conducive. <laughs> this is not conducive to the the your health or the, the the where you're trying to get to and where you're trying to be. Um so it that is something that that's why I said it's ironic that you brought it up because I was talking to myself about it earlier. Like that's something that's really been kicking my ass. Like it was like I said, back in Atlanta I couldn't go down this like I couldn't leave my, my house and like walk across the street and go to a bodega, like no, that's not happening. Like, if I wanted a honey bun, <laughs> I would have to get in my car and drive 10, 15 minutes to get a honey No one is getting in their car and driving 15 minutes for a honey bun. Like, that's just not a thing. Whereas here, I literally just have to go down go down my building and walk outside. And there's a <laughs> honey bun right there. So, and, yeah. It's, and it's like it's, some... And y'all got the best food in New York for, like, come on now. New York is all right. Like, I mean, I too much. <laughs> as far but as no. like quick options, like right there, community options, like yeah, it's, there, there's it's a, easy breezy. Yeah, there there are a lot of um op- like there's a Chinese food right across a uh, Chinese restaurant right across the street from me. There's a deli. There's like a there bunch is. of different options. So uh, that that was a discussion I had myself earlier. Like I'm just gonna have to get back into that you know routine again. Back to routine of not eating at night. Or, you know, I used to, one of the things I used to love to do, um, I used to drink, not alcohol, of course, but I would drink, like, water or, like, lemon water, and I would have something super light. I would always say if it's, like, a handful, it's okay. Like, a handful of seasoned almonds or, like, um, a banana or, you know, whatever Look, healthy snack that I was having. for Like, if I, I would, I would give myself I just sat here and ate two bags of, tri- of, tri- uh, uh, of trail mix today. Oh, I love trail mix. Bitch, Ooh, I the love way granola I ate those too. two days of trail mix, like it was, <laughs> it was a mess. You went to town. I went to town <laughs> on the trail mix. <laughs> it, listen, it happens. It happens. Um, so that's that's my get it together. It's get, getting back into routine for my own betterment. Because you know, when you look at all the, a lot of these people on Instagram that have those gym bodies and they're fine, a lot of them get up at like five a.m. and go to the gym. A lot of them eat super clean a lot of them do the things they need to do now some of them hoes are just lucky and they just have great metabolism through genetics and they eat pizza and they eat chicken fingers and they eat you know ooh oxtail on rice on peas on fried dumpling on festival ooh, on Monday. All, I had all that yesterday it was so good father god yes no um, two days ago <laughs> I had oxtails ooh. now can, can you make oxtails yeah I can make listen I'm them sweet to know Rice and peas and thing and thing I go on. Like I can, I can, I can chef it up. I can. My mom, my parents taught me how to cook, so I, I can make oxtails. Really? I, can I make, need you to make me some oxtails and yeah. rice, peas, and cabbage. My favorite thing to to cook, um, my favorite Caribbean dish is curry. As Thanksgiving is coming up, I'm actually thinking about doing a little friendsgiving, um, and cooking. So I don't know, but we'll see. Mm. Yeah, we'll see. That's exciting. <laughs> well, with that being said, we're gonna take a little break. And we'll be right back with y'all. Hey, y'all. Hope you're enjoying the episode thus far. If you don't already, please follow myself and Malik on our personal social medias. You can follow me on Instagram at Vonagram or on Twitter at underscore Vaughn. And you can follow Malik on Instagram at Yo Malik and on Twitter at Yo Malik. Now let's get into the next topic. All right. So for this week's Growing Up Gay, um... I wanted to discuss the intersection between, like, black gay men and heterosexual black women, that space that we often share, the community that we've cultivated and kind of curated for ourselves, um, and the dysfunction within that 
community and the so much dysfunction. There's so much dysfunction. Um, <laughs> what what really? Okay, so Malik and I have a list of show topics that we intend to get to. Um, and depending on what's going on in the week or whatever is happening with us, we kind of choose one. For me, I was uh, watching, I woke up this morning, and like I said, I'm back on my routine shit. So, like, I spent the entire day today cleaning. Like, I've cleaned literally every inch of my room, like, under my bed, through, like, all my, I took out all my clothes out of my dressers. Um, I cleaned literally everything, right? Um, and I was listening to uh, The Grapevine, which is a, a YouTube channel. Um, where they discuss, they have they have panel discussions um, on a variety of topics um, from the the viewpoint of black people. Uh, they're all black. They they'll they'll have white people on every now and again. Um, of course, they'll have Latin people on because you know we're black and Latin. That that's a thing. Um, but the topic that they were discussing was uh, the attack on masculinity, um, or the the attack on ta- toxic masculinity. Um, and one of the, the discussions they started having um, was about how black women often perpetuate toxic masculinity. And I was thinking about it, <clears throat> and I really wanted us to discuss that because there are so many black women that love, quote-unquote, love gay black men, you know, Judies, as we call them, um, hmm. the good Judies of the community. Um, <laughs> um, but a lot of them don't fully accept quote-unquote accept uh homosexuality um and i wanted to kind of discuss that so the, the first thing that i wanted to to discuss um is that space right the the space of i want to start from the good essentially um for me my best absolute absolute best friend in the world is a black woman uh she's a caribbean black woman but she's a black woman um we met in high school and we started the Caribbean Culture Club together because it was kind of this, <laughs> you know, when um, Celie sees Nettie and like they they do the, <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm thinking about it now. And they do like the the hand, you know, the little hand thingy majigger. Uh, what is that called? Why am I saying hand thingy majigger? The hand. You know the the they do like the the motioning like they're doing the hand. You know when you like like the hand like, like slide. Talk to the hand. Talk no 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 like no like the, have you never seen the color purple? Oh, like slide, baby one, baby two, baby. I right, like that, hand, right, the, exactly. The hand game. <laughs> the hand game. Right. That's what I was yes. saying. When we first saw each other, it was kind of because she has dreads. So, because when I moved to Atlanta, right, I it was moving to Atlanta was the weirdest experience for me because it was supposed to be what I thought was gonna be like the most magical thing. Because I was like, oh my god, all these black people. It's gonna be, you know, like it's gonna be like Florida. Because I mean, I grew up in Fort Lauderdale, so like there's a ton of black people, of course, but they're all like. Haitian At least everyone Haitian. I grew up around was was Afro Caribbean at some point. Like you were either African or you were Caribbean. Anyone that was black. Like I didn't meet my like I always say I didn't meet my first African American <laughs> person until my brother was dating this girl named Shaniqua. <laughs> so when I so when I I know, right? Very typical. Of course so I when I Shaniqua. Right, of course. She couldn't be like a Cindy or a Michelle. Like she was a no. Shaniqua. No. Um so anyway, when I saw uh, my best friend, I was like, Oh my god, she has dreads. She has to be Caribbean. And she was. She's Guyanese. Um, and we've never had the, 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 the tension that I often see in, you know, from black women and gay men, that, that space of, like, she's never been like, oh, I love you until. She's just always loved me unconditionally. Like, when I came out to her, it wasn't a thing. She was like, girl, 
it's fine. Um, and we've been best friends like ever since. Um, so I want to start with the good, right? We love black women, gay gay men. I don't think anyone loves black we women love black more women. than gay black gay black men. Nobody, I don't think, loves nobody. Like we live for black women. We champion <laughs> like, for them. We champion y'all. Like we we are we stand. Literally, figuratively, we stand. Um, but <laughs> you know, so okay, let's okay, let's start here. Who are some of your favorite black women? They don't all have to be famous. Just give me five. Oh my gosh! Of first, your first thing black first. Women. My favorite black woman is my mother. Okay, Ooh, my on. mother and my grandmother. Those two black women I've learned. My mother, and my five. grandmother, my aunt Karen. Okay. I've learned from those two black women, I call them like the Trinity. Um, Come on, Holy Trinity. From those two black women, I have learned how to be a warrior, how to be sufficient, and how to be everything for myself and everyone else. Because those ladies, for me, have just shown me that, Malik, you are enough just how you are. Mm -hmm. And, And they've shown me that you don't take shit from nobody. Like, these women... Don't take no shit, and they have just literally influenced me for me to I think to really be myself, and and they've never ever, except my mother a little bit, but my aunt and my grandmother they've never made me they've never displayed that toxic masculinity bullshit with me like they've never made me feel small they've never tried to diminish me intentionally. Right. You know, my mother has, but it's been, she was ignorant to it's a learning what she experience. was. It was it was a learning experience for her. But like those three, those three women for me are just my everything. Like I think when when I think of women who like lay their lives down on the line, I think of those three women. So who are the other two? Because I wanted to give me five. So those three, and then mm-hmm. I will have to say my two girlfriends. So Hope, um, I met Hope through um, a nonprofit children's organization that, that I'm a part of. So me and her just became super close. And, and one thing that I love about Hope is that Hope is never, she has intentionally, when I was like, when, when I first met her, I probably was like really cliche of like trying to make her my good Judy. But right. she really rejected that because she wanted me mm. to see she wanted me to see her for her and right. not and not be and not have like this character relationship. And right. so I think that it's important for black women when they do get gay gay friends to be themselves and to remind gay men that, hey, I am me. I'm not anything other than me. And so Hope did a great job at reminding me to get to know her for right. her. Right. And 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 through that, I was able to see that she's not my she's not my good Judy. What she right. is is my good friend. Right. And 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 because there like, is a difference. Because there's a difference. She's okay. not my good Judy. A good Judy is messy. Right. A good Judy is rooted. A a good Judy will leave you for her man and disrespect you. Right. But a good friend, which is my friend Hope. They will lift you up. They will hold you accountable. They will honor you. They will cherish you. And then I have another friend named Bjorn. And me and her um, are very close. Yeah, she's a fabulous girl. She's a fun girl. She's at the the pride parades. She's at the networking events 
to, to, to rally. She is that call to action girl who's out here actually fighting for equality and really, and she's open to be informed. I remember she said some, she said something that was inappropriate. And immediately I said, Hey, you, you instead of saying that you can say this and then right. that will be better accepted. And she immediately took the adjustment and moved on. And right. I think that that's what the black women in my life, they have uplifted me, they have encouraged me, they love me, and they've just been champions for me to be myself. Right. I love, be- that. Be- I love that. Yeah, yeah. And I think that is the black woman's like dream. Like the, the same thing that they poured into me, I feel like they just want that same thing back, poured right. back into them. Yeah. Right. Nice. Who are your who are, um, your, who are your favorite black women? My five, um, three are definitely my family. It's my mother is number one, of course. My my mom. Ironically, and we'll discuss this a little bit later. There, like you know how you said they never tried to diminish you, or you said, but your mom like a little bit like there was that uncomfortable. There's yeah. that learning experience with your mom. That learning experience. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I had a tinge of that with my mom. Um, well, but I said we'll get to that. I don't want to forget my point um so definitely my mom would be number one she has loved me unconditionally like my mother has taught me so much so so much um throughout my life about everything from cooking to like my mother's the reason why i love luther vandross and, and barris hammond um <laughs> my mother has just taught me and i think the thing that she's taught me most is like enjoy life like this is your this is your one life. I always joke and say that my mom and my dad are both cancers, but they're like different sides because my father is very firm and very structured, and he's very like you know responsible, and he's like he makes all the right decisions. And my mother is like, look, I'm gonna live this life of mine. I'm gonna have fun. I'm gonna go on these trips. I'm gonna travel. I'm gonna you know be about my business and hustle and you know do five different things at once because that's definitely her. But she's also gonna enjoy life. So my mother is definitely one. Uh, my number two is my cousin Kadina. I love her with my whole heart. Um, she has never, ever, ever made me feel anything but smart, um, handsome, um, awesome. Like she's never made me feel anything but awesome. Like our whole lives, we're few. We're like a few months apart. We we literally grew up together. Like every every stage of my life that I think about, like the 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 poignant moments of my life. Like, we got through them together. Like, graduation, we graduated at the same time. We went to college at the same time. Um, I, like, I remember disco- discovering Lady Gaga with her and, like, us standing for Lady Gaga um, <laughs> and going to see Lady Gaga. Um, That's sweet. In, in um, concert in Toronto, because they live in Canada. Um, but, like, we've just... We're two peas in a pod. Like, literally, everyone, all our family knows the minute one of us shows up, like... You, my cousin Kitty can be with my family for a whole week and having an amazing time. The minute I show up, like the rest of them niggas don't exist. <laughs> like, That's it's exactly me. how I am with my cousin Felicia. That's <laughs> it's 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 me and her. Like we are literally ride or die for each other. Like we hold each other accountable. We'll get each other together. But like we also support each other endlessly. So she's definitely and I will fight you over her. Like don't even, don't even. Um. So she's definitely number two. Number three for me is Rihanna. Um. <laughs> She, I, I love, I love Robin Fenty, like, everything about her. I always say, like, 
and I, and I don't I think a lot of people don't get why I really love her as much as I do. Being Caribbean means so much to me. So seeing a black Caribbean woman doing everything that she's doing is so inspiring to me because she's making a name for herself. She's building a brand for herself. She's establishing herself and she's put she's so proud of being Caribbean and I am too and it it feels good to see someone in this African American culture dominating and not being African American. She's black, yes, but she's Caribbean and like it's uncomfortable and it's been a a, a learning experience if you will like once again for African Americans to 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 see a woman that isn't like the women they're used to. She doesn't have the she doesn't do all the same things. She's not, you know, she doesn't hold herself to a lot of the same um a lot of the same standards as, you know, African American women, but she's been able to influence the culture and she's just she's everything. She's everything. So that's my number three. My number four Rihanna, is Rihanna's a change agent and Isn't she? And and I think that same magic and that same power that you're talking about is all black women have that within them. They they just right. have to like make it make a choice to unlock it. Right. Um my number four is my best friend. Um like like you said, she's also someone that has never made me feel anything but awesome. Like she thinks I'm the funniest person. Uh, she thinks I'm so inspiring, and I'm always like, I don't know why, but like she she loves me, and we love each other unconditionally. I remember, I remember, and I'm gonna tell some of my own business here. Like I remember when I used to wear like, <laughs> I'm really gonna put myself out there. I used to wear like uh, the when I first really started coming into like my homosexuality, like especially in college. Like there was that one point where I was like, should I wear makeup? Like I really thought about it, and I and I used to we buy all like have that uh, crossroads. right, and I have like now I have thicker eyebrows, thank God. But I used to not really have eyebrows, and there was a point when I used to like like fill them in. I used to buy like eyelash the 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 eyelash curl uh, curler and like the mascara, and I used to like fill in my eyebrows. I never wore like foundation, come on, or, like anything like that. Cover girl but, on the clippers. <laughs> But I used to, like, <laughs> fill in my eyebrows because I was insecure about them. And I remember at one point, like, we we were we used to go out. And, like, I remember I was, I was like, you know, filling in my eyebrows. And, my, and she was like, oh, my God. And it was the thing where it, she was like, okay, don't. She, it wasn't like, oh, do my makeup. But it was like, oh, shit, I didn't know you. And I was like, is that okay? And she was like, yeah. She was like, it's dope. I don't do it anymore. <laughs> Just putting that out there. Um, I <laughs> shit. I, now I don't, I don't give a fuck. Like, my eyebrows are my eyebrows. You gonna get them how you get them. But, um, she's just always accepted me. She's always loved me. And, like, we've learned so much from each other. And, like, I, I'm, I'll be honest. Like, I remember when she had her son. And, like, I remember there was a point where I was like, is she gonna be weird? Because, you know, some people are like, oh, they don't want their son around you because you're gonna turn their son gay. Yeah, I had that bullshit. fear. And I love her son. Like, her son is so adorable. He's so intelligent. Um, and I remember like having that fear of like, oh shit, she's not going to want me on her kid. Cause you know, she doesn't want her child to grow up gray. And, and I, I remember she's, and of course she's a, she's a heterosexual woman. So she's dated men and like she, now she's in a relationship with, um, an awesome guy and like they bought a house together and all this stuff. And I remember like also having that weird, like, is she going to start pushing me out of her life now? Because she's like, has a man mm-hmm. and like, that hasn't happened. We're still the best of friends, even though we don't live in the same city. Like she calls me every time she goes on lunch and like, we will talk while I'm not supposed to be on the phone. <laughs> like we <laughs> we're just 
we're just the same. Like she's awesome. Um, yeah. And the other, the fifth person for me is gonna be my aunt, um, oh, my cousin Kadina, her mom. Like I love her so much, and it's funny because like. I love all my aunts. Uh, one of my aunts came to see me today, actually. I love all my aunts, and I have all my, you know, special relationships with all my aunts. But she's definitely become my favorite aunt over, like, the past 10 years of my life because I've spent so much time in Toronto with her. And, like, she's never made me feel any kind of way in regards to my sexual orientation. And it was so funny. Like I said, this this summer was the first time she's ever, not, like, acknowledged it. <laughs> like, outside of... Like, she definitely has asked and, like poked around like you know asking my cousin like is he like is he gay and i think for her she's just been waiting for me to say it so like this it was funny this summer we were all chilling because we had a family reunion and my cousin and i of course were holed up upstairs chilling because that where that's what we do like we whenever we're together we part ways from the family and it's just me and her kicking it and like my aunt walked in the room and was like what are y'all talking about and we were talking about kids and i was like yeah you know i want three ch- children because i always say that and she was like you know, she's like, oh, you want three kids? And I was like, yeah, my little science experiments. And <laughs> she she started laughing, and she was like, I don't know who you going to get to carry him. But, you know, <laughs> but, you know, good luck with that. <laughs> and it was so funny because it was like, bitch, it, you know, it was basically her saying, like, okay, but you're, 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 you're gay. Like, I, I know y'all can have kids, but, like, like how is that going to happen? Who's gonna, who, who are you going to get to carry three children? Exactly. So, I don't know. I, I, I love her so much. So those are my... And like I said, she is... She's awesome for, for all the reasons that I've listed, but she's awesome for so many other reasons. Like, I've been able to watch her go from Jamaica and, like, build so many things for herself in Canada. And, like, she has multiple homes and, like, she takes care of her family and her extended family, our extended family. Like, she's just... She's awesome. She's awesome. What's the one characteristic that you think is universal for black women that that just keeps them so magical? Um, I think for oh that this is so hard. Um, they're relentless in the yeah. best way possible. They're resilient. Not let me not say relent, relentless. They're resilient. Um, I think resilience is something that black women are just. And all people have, quote-unquote, resilience in them. But I I don't think I can see any other person facing as much as black women face um, and continue to to, to thrive and continue to be great and continue to to uplift and continue to, you know, march and protest and advocate and just continuously be there for people who aren't always there for them. And by people, I'm talking black men. Because personally, I would have gave up on you Negroes a long time ago. Um, but black women are just resilient. They, they face everything um, on top of having to face the world. They face everything in their homes. They face abuse. They face um, sexual assault. They face insecurity. They just face Being so looked much. Over. Being Not looked over. Not getting a job. Not exactly. having equal pay. They, face, they basically have to face everything black men have to face. And then they have to face it again when it comes to society, I'm talking. And then they have to face yeah. it again within their own community. So black women have resilience uh, built into them. And it's something that they've had to definitely learn. And it's something that, that comes from the the hardships of life, of being a black woman. But, you know, 
they're 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 not I like I, I don't like saying black women are magic, but they are resilient. They are resilient. So, unfortunately, <laughs> that's uh, one of the the you know, this is where the conversation is going to have to take a turn because as resilient and as awesome or magical as black women are, um they often play a huge part in the the struggles that we as gay black men face. And we do have to hold them accountable because accountability is the only thing that betters all of us, right? Um, so for you, for me, I want to start with my, myself. One of the things that I want to hold black women accountable um, for is the space, um, not the space, but is the, the action of um, treating gay men as transactional, right? We're, we're good for them. Not and when I say then again, I'm, I shouldn't have to say this, but again, I'm not talking about everyone. It's not a generalization, um, but there are a lot of Black women who accept quote unquote gay men in the spaces of service, or in the space of mess or entertainment, but they discard us elsewhere. They're quick to throw us under the bus um, over a nigga, or they're quick to to say they love us but allow us to be disrespected in their presence. Um, by someone who they're just getting dick from. Um, so that is one of the things that, and it's it's been, as a younger gay person, it's been weird growing up and, and seeing that. Um, especially, like, for me, it hasn't, I, I can say it hasn't happened to me personally, um, thankfully, but it is something that, it is something that I've had to see and I've had to witness, um, especially thanks to social media. There's so many times on social media where I see like topics um, in regards to, to homosexuality or homosexuals or trans people um, being discussed, and then like you start seeing the you know the the Twitter niggas saying all these awful things, and then unfortunately there's these black women that just support that. They support them. They retweet it. They laugh at it. They you know they play a, a bigger role in allowing it to continue than they should. Um, so that's something I, I want to pin to pinpoint. Is there something that you would like to hold them accountable for? Absolutely. So I think, you know, my personal experience with both black women <clears throat> has been twofold. I mean, how we just said they, they've mm-hmm. been my champion and then they've been my biggest enemy. Um, I had I had a friend and with this friend <clears throat> that I had I confided well first thing first um black women are powerful like Vaughn you don't know this and I'm getting ready mm-hmm. to just say it now mm-hmm. I'm HIV positive and I first found out I was HIV positive like seven years ago <clears throat> and really? I found out yes and I found out with my mom because my mom took out um, an insurance policy on me right and when you t- and when you take out a life insurance policy on someone you have to go through like a physical so I mm-hmm. do the physical and then a week later I get these res- well my, my mom gets the results and the results say that um, you're, you know, the person who you attempted to get this, this policy on it, the policy will not be, 
um, <clears throat> approved because you're, you know, because I tested reactive to the HIV virus. So I say all wow. that to say. I did not know that. I, I know you didn't. I've I'm never kind shared of gagging this. right now. <laughs> I've, I've never shared. I've never shared this, you guys. It's like I. It's just time for me to share it. So, I'm sharing this because my mother stood there like a rock for me, and she wow. supported me, and she told me that I was going to get through this, and she empowered me in a way that um, my 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 mother told me. She told me that, hey, listen, because you have this this disease, you have to have the best job. You have right. to have this. You have to have this because the quality of life that you are going to want to have is not going to be easy. And <clears throat> my mother just gave me so many amazing tools to be able to be this great, beautiful, vibrant, healthy, intelligent undetectable person that I am. When I say undetectable, I'm talking about the viral load that's in within my body. Right. Um, so it's like, that's my mother, right, on one hand. And on the other hand, you have other black women who you may confide in. Other black women who you look to as sisters. And there was a time where I wanted to go to the doctor. And I had a friend, I'm not going to say her name, and I called my friend and said, hey, I'm not feeling well today. At the time, my friend did not know my status, right. but I had I wanted to share it with her. So I said, "Hey, I'm I'm not feeling well today. Can we go to the do- like? Will you take me to the doctor? Like, just drop me off or whatever." Right. And so she takes me to the doctor. At the time, my friend is pregnant. Mm-hmm. She takes me to the doctor. Before we go to the doctor, I said, "Hey, listen, I want you to know something because she obviously was going to find out because she was going with me, right?" Right. So I said, hey, I want you to find, I said, I want you to know something. She said, what? I said, I'm HIV positive. And she was like, she was like, oh my God, okay. And she said, thank you for sharing it with me. Like, you know, she was, she was super cool about it. Super cool about it. Super cool about it. Super cool about it. We get into the doctor's office and, you know, it's all good. She asks me, but before, before we go behind, she says, well, can I share this with my husband? And I'm like. Wait, wait, whoa. Whoa! 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 Why? Why? Why do you want to? Why do you want to share, like, my business with your husband? But again, this was seven years ago. I was I was really naive, um, about the word friend, and also about the word, and also, and I also was naive about the word sister. Okay, um, if if someone will if someone will talk about someone else with you, they will talk about you too. Listen, I say that every single. So that's a fact. Like time. that's that, that, that's that's a fact. So all in all, I end up telling her that yes, you you can share this with your husband, who I also was had a had a rapport with as well at the time. So we get behind, you know, to, to the doctor. We, we're in the room. The doctor comes in, and I'm telling her, I'm like, hey, I'm not feeling well. Whatever X Y Z. Um, she's like, okay, what's going on? So I tell her what's wrong. And we have the appointment. At the end of the appointment, my friend, who's pregnant with a child, at this point, maybe like, maybe like seven months pregnant, she says to my doctor, so I have a few questions if you don't mind me asking. And the doctor says, sure, Whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa. In the middle, like, why, what, what? During your appointment? It's, the appointment, it's like, it, it's, it's wrapping up. It's wrapping up. And so we're ending, and she says, am I at risk? Girl! 
And the doctor looks at her and says, at risk for what? She says, Girl. well, I'm, pre-, she says, well, I'm pregnant. Girl. So I, I, I want to know, is there a chance that I can contract this virus? Girl. And the doctor just looked at her and was like, Bitch, what? No, no there's no way. The fuck way is you talking about, ho? Like, what? There's, there's no way that you could ever get this virus. And so, all in all, I told that story to say that that friend, once I, once I stopped talking to her, because I found out that that friend had told my business wow. to another mutual friend, okay, who I had not told. And that those those mutual friends were discussing my business wow. okay among amongst them two now remember i told a story a long time ago on this show there was a get it together about how there was a black woman that came to atlanta pride yes. and was not oh my prideful. God, i remember this the woman who my ex-friend told my business to is that same woman whoa who, who came to pride and wow. who was asking all of these wow. fucked up intrusive questions about, oh, I wonder if people are gay because they were raped. I wonder if people are gay because they were all these ridiculous claims Toxic. that she was making. Toxic claims. And so what I'm saying is these women continue to perpetuate bullshit. They continue to be at the headline and the, and, and the top of They're the gatekeepers mess. of the bullshit. They are gatekeepers of the bullshit at the end of the day. And it's not everybody. So the women that I talked about at the very beginning, the women who have championed for me, the women who have uplifted me, who have protected me, and then I'm talking about women who have tried to destroy me. Wow. On the opposite hand. And I think that the way you can tell the difference is if there's a woman that wants you to perform for them, that wants you to use you up when it's convenient, mm. when it's never reciprocated the love and the admiration and the intention, then that's a good Judy. Right. That's not your friend. Don't tell that bitch all your business. Don't tell that bitch all your business. And so from that experience, it really allowed me to see how how masculinity is so ingrained within some black women that the they, that idea if the idea of it, the, because it's not a real thing, obviously there, there isn't no accounts of it. There's no history about it. It's, it's, it's all fabricated. It's fixed. It's, an it's energy. made up. You're right. It's energy, you know, that's within us and it's displayed different based on who the person is. Right. And I just think that the fact that people have literally taken this idea and they continue to pass it on from generation to generation knowing that it's wrong. And I think it's really, I think, I think what's more interest, interesting is how black women are able to see how this masculinity has destroyed our community, but then mm-hmm. they continue to keep it going generation to, to generation. I'm really glad you said that because I really want to touch on that. Um, so the idea of tox- toxic masculinity, um, a lot of times when people hear that term, they they get offended. And by people, I, I mean heterosexual men. Yeah. Um, but the, the biggest... Uh, okay, I'll say this. Where toxic masculinity is most troubling is in black women and not black men. 
Um, it is yeah. definitely, 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 definitely troubling uh, for the entire community in black men because it, it causes a lot of black men to, to be this person that they really aren't. It causes them to not um, tap into their emotions. It causes them to um, be this hard, you know, detached, um, stark person. Stark, just person, right? Yeah. Um, but where, in my personal opinion, it's even worse is in black women because there are a lot, a lot of black women raising black men, and they don't realize that. That what they're what they're the men that they're raising aren't real men. They don't realize that what they're all this because you know people always say you need a man in the house, right? You need a man in the house to to teach a man to teach a boy certain things, right? And they don't realize that the thing, the quote unquote things that they're they're looking, they're hoping a man will teach their child is things that they could teach them, right? But. Instead, because they don't have that man around, they, they, they try to raise these boys to be these their idea of what masculine is. And unfortunately for a lot of us, the idea of masculinity comes from what white men have created, you know, the white men have created what the masculine black man looks like. He's hypersexual. He's hyperaggressive. Um, he's a mule. He's a workhorse. He's a bull. He's not a person. He doesn't have emotions. He doesn't have feelings. He is to be worked and used to create cattle. He is to be, well, not cattle, but he's to be worked and used to create offspring who are to work and create more offspring who are to work and create more offspring. That's it. That That's how white men have curated the image of a black man. He's a monster or he's a, a workhorse. He is either going to hurt you or he's going to work for you, right? And unfortunately, a lot of black women don't realize that when they're raising their their boys to be men, they're perpetuating, perpetuating a lot of those ignorant ideologies. They're allowing what they think, quote unquote, a man is supposed to look like to be what these boys are forced to be, which is they're not allowed to cry, you know, man up. You know, a, a, a two-year-old isn't going to man up. <laughs> a two-year-old is, let the two-year-old cry. He's not crying. That's not, a, that's not a feminine thing, right? To cry isn't a feminine thing. To be emotional isn't a feminine thing, right? Society has taught us that. But everyone, and the thing is, everyone has masculine and feminine energy, right? Whatever we this masculine energy is and whatever this feminine energy is, we all have it. Every person needs to have that balance. Without that balance, we're all offset. No Cardi B. Um, so, <laughs> so, so the reason why I say it's it's more toxic in, in in black women is because, like I said, they're raising these black men, and on top of raising these black men, they're allowing these black men to be this perpetuated idea of masculinity, right? So when their boys are growing up and they 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 do things like they hit women, right? There are a lot of black mothers that have sons that are abusive. And a lot of these black mothers don't say anything. There are a lot of black mothers that have daughters that are in abusive relationships. And because their grandfather was abusive, because they're maybe their a significant other that they dated was abusive. They tell their daughter to, 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 to stick it out. Or they, they say, Oh, you know, he got a good job. 
So, you know, or, you know, or, men are going to be men. Or the best one, what did you do? What did you, exactly. Right? Yeah, so, that's a good one. toxic masculinity in women hurts everyone. Tox- toxic masculinity in men, you know, hurts us all and it hurts men, that, the, you know, the man. But toxic masculinity in women, in black women, uh, it, it's, 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 it's cancerous because it spreads. It's all your children that you raise are going to be are going to perpetuate you know these ideas because daughters are going to watch their mother raise their son to be a certain kind of man and they're going to think that's what a man should be he should be aggressive he shouldn't have you know any emotional intelligence he should not know how to to, to love not know how to, to to be in touch with himself right they we and that's why i'm 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 very thankful my mother was never that kind of mom. Like I always say, like what I always say, like when when I came out to my mom, and I, we we're talking about this earlier. When I came out to my mom, when I came out to my parents, it was really funny because I was expecting my my mom to be like, "Girl, no," or like you know, I was supposed to be like, "Son, you don't think I knew that? Like I I know you're gay. It's fine. Shut up. Go back to doing what you were doing." And I was expecting my dad to have like hard time with it, right? But when I came out, my it was like my father was like I said, he was just like, I love you. You're still my son. That doesn't change anything. With my mother, it was kind of like, oh, you're gay? Oh, really? I never, hmm, I never thought you do were you, gay. Do you and, think she really didn't know? And, you know, that's the, the thing. <laughs> the thing is, I'm like, okay, you you raised me. And on top of you raised me, you've been around me my whole... It was me and my, When my mother and I moved to Atlanta, like, it was her and I. Like, that's it. Like, I'm like, how... It was, for me, it was like, what? How didn't she... I expected her to say, I know. I, and I was... I'm not gonna lie. When she didn't say that, I was a little hurt. Because I, it was like... Well, she partly took offense to the fact that... Because she asked me, you know, did I tell anyone? She partly took offense to the fact that my brother knew. And my cousin Kadena knew. Um, but that I hadn't, didn't tell her. So she took, she was a little offended by the fact that I wasn't comfortable enough to tell her sooner, which I understood because we, we have the relationship where I, like I always say, my mom tells me everything. She's always told me too much. <laughs> like when her and my father were going through things, she would come to me. Um, when she was having, you know, troubles in any other, in any areas we would discuss. And that was the one thing we never discussed. So I understood that. Right. But there was, there was a little, and it was only literally for like two days where I could tell she wasn't really that comfortable around me. Like this new me, whoever this new me was, I could tell she wasn't um, 100% comfortable. And it was weird for me because I was not expecting that. Like I've, I've literally, when my mom was getting dressed, still to this day, she'll send me pictures and be like, okay, how does this look? Right, like I was always, I would literally sit in my mom, like in her bathroom as she was getting dressed, and be like, "Take that off, use the wear, <laughs> wear those shoes, do that dress." No, that, you were that no, this brings out your eyes. Um, no, I don't like this hair. Do this. No, this. Get a different kind of weave. Like, and it was, <laughs> like I would know the terminology for it. Like I would be like, "Oh no, your lace is showing," or like, "Or no, mom, your track is showing," or like, "No, your leave out." Like I like literally knew all this. Like, oh no, this is the kind of console. Like I knew all of this. And all the terminology and all the things to you. And I would was 100% comfortable being that person around her. So for me, when she's like, I didn't know. I was like, girl, I was like, what? 
How did like, how, how did you not know? How did you not know? And it's also weird because we had a conversation when I was like, I want to say like fifteen, um, and I, and I, that's why I thought she knew because like there was a time where we went to go, um, we went to my aunt's house. I I don't have very much, uh, uh, um, I don't have a lot of family in Georgia, especially now. But back then I did have an aunt. She's now moved, which is why I said especially now. But I had an aunt that lived in Snellville. And um, we went to go visit her and my other cousin, my other aunts, two of my other aunts were there and they were all sharing stories, right, about us. Um, because at this point, we're all ages 15 to 18. I'm 15. My cousins were 16, 17, and 18. There was four of us there. Three boys and my cousin, Maisha. Um, so, like, my aunts were sharing these stories. And it was weird because I went downstairs, like, as they were sharing. Well, we were all downstairs as they were sharing these stories about, like, my cousins having girls over the house and all the girls and da 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 And it was, I felt, I could feel, like, my mom, like, she felt weird. She felt weird because she couldn't share any of those stories. She didn't have any of those stories to share in regards to me. Now, she could share those stories about my brother's. Um, like them dating, you know, they're messing with girls, but like with me, that wasn't happening. And I could feel her like look at me every now and again and like look like back into the conversation. And I, I, could, I could feel her literally outside of herself, like, whoa. I'm. Like, do you what? think you really like disappointed her? And do you think that <clears throat> the. In that moment? Like, in the, like the, the expectation of what a man is supposed to be, like, do you think that is what bothered her more? In that, you mean in that moment or when I came out to her? Because in that, yeah, mo- in that moment, in no. that moment, I'll say yes because, like, on our car ride back home, she started asking me about like girls, and it was weird because we had never had those. My mother never asked me about girls, never. Like, mind you, at at this point, I wasn't. Was I fifteen? No, I think I might have been fourteen, because, like, I was on our car rides, like our long car rides. I was watching the Beyonce experience in the back of the car. Like, I was watching Rihanna DVDs in the back of the car. We never had discussions about girls. So on that ride home, she, she started, she's like, you know, well, you don't have a girlfriend. And I was like, no. And I remember her saying to me, she was like, well, you know, it's okay if you don't have a girlfriend right now because, you know, you're younger. But don't, don't, like, shy away from girls. Like, she didn't say don't be gay or, you know, are you gay? But she was like, it's okay to like girls. You don't have to not date girls. She was like, it's, I know you don't have one right now, but like in the future, it, it's you should date. It's okay if you date girls. And I remember at that point, I was like, because I knew I was gay. And again, I thought like, now, you know, because you, I get, you get told your whole life, oh, your mom knows, your mother knows, your mom knows, you know, your parents always know. And for me, it was just kind of like, oh, so you don't know. Which was which was weird. And again, my mother is not a perpetuator of toxic masculinity. My mother has never been like, oh, stop crying. That girl's, you know, da-da-da. She's never been that kind of mother. But, like, in those... There's been instances, like, very, very few. But there have been, like, instances where she's kind of perpetuated the... This is what masculine looks like. And, and you should be a little more like this. So, that's that. <laughs> um, but one of the things I, d- I did want to discuss, like, outside of, you know, like I said, in regards to holding uh, women accountable, like, you know, like we said, they 
can perpetuate um, toxic masculinity. But one of the things that women, and, and this is more so in popular culture now, um, is the erasure of gay men um, in public spaces, right? Um, and when, I, when I'm talking about that, I'm, I'm thinking of people like Tamar Braxton, um, NeNe Leakes, um, who they take from us but don't always put us in positions of power. And it's, it's, it's I don't want to call it appropriation, but it, it somewhat is like the appropriation of, of gay culture, right? Our slang, our lingo, <clears throat> our looks. Well, you know, I think that's exactly what it is. And I think that women... It is, but I don't want to say it. Just, yeah, it I think women... <laughs> I think black women, in, in all women period, they do this thing where they, 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 they tap into their black woman privilege, right? Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is um, they will use all your shit, just like you said, take your take your culture, come get all the gay money at the gay club doing pride, mm-hmm. and then slay you behind your back or slay you to your face and not stand with you. And it's like, it's this have my cake and eat it too. Like, I'm more privileged than you, but we're both oppressed, so it's okay for right now, but later on, it's not okay anymore. Like, I'm gonna burn you down because I am, obviously, um, I have more privilege than you do in that regard, but then it's just, it's just like this, this really sick, Obviously, like it just it just continues to go on and on and on, and, and and I feel like black women have to be way more accountable when it comes to like if you're gonna stand for something, stand for in totality. Like don't right. pick and through choose. And through. through stand stand with us through and through because at the end of the day, when you when you don't stand with gay black men and you stand with straight black men, just like just just like you said, like you do us all a disservice. Like right. that is not going to move us forward. Like, that won't get your baby daddy to stay with you. Like, Listen, that, that, that won't make that nigga stop beating your ass. Like, right. that won't. It won't. Right. Um, and I really want to touch on this because I remember a few months ago there was a shirt um, that went viral. Now, this was appropriation, like, double-fold <laughs> because it was, like, this white company... Um, created this shirt that said gay white men ste- stealing from gay black men or gay white men appropriating gay black culture gay black, black men you right gay black men yeah. appro- um appro- like stealing from black women right yeah. so it was kind of this trickle down effect of like holding quote unquote holding ourselves responsible because we're white people saying hey we've stolen this from gay black men but they've stolen this from black women so it was like trying to like pat two three different people on the back trying to pat themselves on the back for being white and and you know calling themselves out but and and giving props to gay black men and then like calling gay black men out from stealing from black women and then like giving props to black women for being like the originator of all this shit and (laughs) for me it was well not for me for everyone it was it was kind of like girl what the fuck like no, no 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 we're not, you know, gay black men aren't stealing the, this culture of ours. It's not stolen from gay black women. It's cultivated and created by queer black people, 
men and women, trans people of color. Like, it started with us. The lingo started with us. It started in the ballroom. Like, gay black women did not invent shade. Like, that's that that shit is ours. Like, ballroom culture cultivated all this shit. That's the originator of all of this shit. So, like, and then and, and the reason why it became a, a firestorm on, on social media was because when gay black men, especially, or queer black men, or queer people of color, I'm going to use the umbrella term, when queer people of color started pushing back against the shirt now, black women started pushing back against us and saying, no, 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 you did get that from us. And it was funny because people would literally give it to NeNe Leakes. They would be like, oh, well, Real Housewives of Atlanta or, you know, New York, and And I was like... We were doing that we, before girl, we've been here. was even created. We've been here been here been here like it we've ain't going been here and it ain't going nowhere so I, that that's something that also i think black women need to hold themselves accountable to like give us our props like yes we we give you these looks we give you these these lashes we give you this hair we give you all of this we give you your life so you need to give us our props i agree and and stop reducing our struggles down to nothing. Right. Like, just stop it. Like, because when you're in the chair getting your hair done, we're everything. But when telling me all your business. But when right. But when you're but when you're raising your child and he picks up a doll, it's oh, cut that gay shit out. Oh. It's like that gay shit was cool when it was braiding that four C all the way back to put on that lace front. But that gay shit isn't cool when it when it could be in your home. That's when no. it's a problem, right? And even oh, perfect example, City Girls. I'm glad I remember this. Risha from City Girls. Well, Risha's in J- JT's in jail. Risha from City Girls uh, was uh, she was was caught up in, in drama because her old tweets were uncovered. Like I don't know why people don't delete their old tweets, but in her old tweets, I got, um, I got she, some. I need to go back and delete. Listen, um, her old tweets came out, and, and there were a lot of things. Prob- she said a lot of prob- problematic things. She talked about Haitians. Um, she talked about Rihanna and Beyonce and Blue Ivy. Um, and in my personal, the thing that I was most now okay, the thing that I was most offended by what weren't her tweets about gay people, right? Because I was like, you know what, these tweets are seven years old or six years old. She's only 26, right? So she was probably 18, 19, maybe 20, 21 during the majority of these tweets. And I know, as even as a, as a, as a gay black man, I have grown tremendously and I have been like learned so much about our community and what to say and what not to say. So much, in, man. Like, I've so learned so much in the past six years. So I couldn't hold her to the flame for that because it would be hypocritical of me. But what I was offended by was the fact that, like, when she got on on Instagram, because that's where everybody goes to apologize, um, with their iOS press releases, she... Notes. Right. She stood firm in her comments in regards to homosexuality. Because um, one of her tweets one of her tweets was like, man, if I ever catch my, my, my son on some gay shit, I'm going to beat that shit out of him. 
And she stood firm in that and reaffirmed the statement and was basically like, what is wrong with me not wanting my child to be gay? That's not homophobic. I just don't want my child to be a faggot. And it was like, you do you you don't see what's wrong with you not wanting your child to be something. And I've dragged her for it already, so I'm not going to again. But it was like, what? And then what threw me further was there were so many black women that were like, well, wait, what's wrong with what she's saying? She doesn't want her child to be gay. And it was like, so wait, y'all listen to the read every week, and that's fine. Y'all love Fury, right? Y'all watch Real Housewives of Atlanta, and all their lingo comes from us, and that's fine. Y'all get on Twitter, and you follow us, you retweet us. We're good in all these spaces. You watch Drag Race. You do all these, the, you soak up all the entertainment factor, right? You, you soak up all the benefits of, of, of looking a certain way because of us. But the possibility that your child could be one of us is the worst thing in the world. It's, it's, it's heartbreaking, bitch. So me? heartbreaking. These bitches be dead to the bitch. So heartbreaking. blue in the face with the thought that their child could be potentially queer. Right. And... Uh, I truly believe that it's not because they think that their children are going to have hard lives. That's fucking bullshit. Right. Nine, nine times out of ten, that's not the reason why. Nine, right. nine times out of ten, they don't want, like you said, a faggot of a son. Right. Or a lesbian or a freak trans child. Like, it's obviously the perception centered around gayness and just being anything that's not this hyper masculine like standardized be the strong black man thing and it's just fucking bullshit right it, it absolutely is um one of the last things that i want to because i mean there's so much that we could touch on we could you know touch on even gay black men and their um issues with trans women because we aren't yeah. perfect we are not perfect. Gay black men are not perfect. We definitely have our own ignorance in regards to the trans community. Um, and that's something we can definitely touch on, a, on, a, on a, at another time. Um, but something that I actually, and, I, and this for me is kind of ironic, and I've, it's kind of something that I've always seen but never spoken on, is how so, like, so much of, of the standards, like, okay, the beauty standards of, of today, right? I feel like a lot of that comes from, once again, ballroom culture, right? Because if you think about it, like, these women out here getting ass shots, where did that start? In Absolutely. The, with, with trans women in the black and in, 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 in Latin community. Like, getting I, ass shots? I, I, I agree. That started with trans women. That's why a lot of the, the, the people that were dying from it were dying from it because they were doing it the way that trans people of color had to do it because they didn't have the, the, the resources, they didn't have the funds, they didn't have the community, they didn't have the space to go get it safely done, right? So that started in the, 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 the trans, with the trans women, really. Um, once again the queer people of color like that started with us right even and i always say like 
people like Kim Kardashian, in my personal opinion, they look like the the. How would I say this? They look like the expensive version of a trans woman. And it's like, funny to me, like black the black Chinas. Right. The black Chinas of the world, all of y'all look like expensive version of trans women because trans women unfortunately haven't hadn't until recently, of course, had the chance to 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 get these surgeries done safely. And properly because a getting your ass done wasn't a thing ten years ago. You, it was not a thing that doctors were doing. Well, I think I think when it comes to like talking about trans bodies in the ballroom scene, a lot of that is influenced by gay gay men, right? Right. And I, and I think that gay men have been really problematic in the ballroom scene, which obviously. We just talked about that, like, about how gay black men aren't perfect when it comes to the way that we assault and characterize and, you know, characterize and shame trans trans women sometimes. Right. And I think that when you think about that, you also have to have to kind of go back to the way that black men treat women, period. And that's what I was going to say, because that's toxic femininity. Exactly, because once you are a trans woman, you are a woman first, right? right. And so then you add trans on, on it, then it's just like a whole another marginalized group. So I think that the way that black men treat black women and the and, and like the standard of beauty that black men hold women right. is ridiculous in a hold. And I think that it is sometimes unattainable, and that's why we, exactly. we see women we see women going at these astronomical rates of right. hurting themselves when it comes to doing these procedures that are dangerous, black right. market being one of them. So I think that it really comes down to black men taking a look in the mirror and saying, how are we contributing to the destruction and right. the heart, not the heart, the hurt of black women. And that's all black women, whether right. you're trans or whether you cis. And I just think right. that, um, like black gay men in the ballroom scene have really added to that equation when it comes to absolutely the because like I like I was saying it's toxic femininity because when a, a woman was trans right it would be oh she's not fish enough she's not cunt enough mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. you daughter you need to go buy you know boobs or you need to go buy ass or you need to your face is too hard you need to do this you need to be all these things to be feminine right. Femininity has to look like this. It has to, it has to be curvaceous. It has to be, you know, essentially unattainable because you have to have all the the that the traits. You have to have the full lips, right? You have to have the the bigger butt, the bigger boobs, the smaller waist. You have to have the full hips. You have to be the sex kitten, right? That's the only way femininity looks when that's not the case. Yeah. They're bearded bearded women. Right. Naturally. Naturally. And I think that's why it's so important to understand that we all have masculine and feminine energy within our bodies. Right. You know, people associate mustaches with masculine things, but there are women that grow them naturally. So it's like, what about the bearded woman? I can't grow a mustache at all. Exactly. It's like. And I'm a whole ass man. (laughs) (laughs) Like a whole nigga. Six foot two of nigga. (laughs) And I I can't grow a mustache. I love my mustache. Jealous. Yeah. Jealous. But yeah, I wanted to really touch on that because I do think that gay black men have played 
played a part in the we've contributed to to the 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 standard of beauty that's currently set and it's unrealistic and another way it rears his ugly head is even in colorism because i feel like and i and i want to use normani as as an example of this because and i spoke about this earlier i remember she performed at the the title brooklyn's title event and this girl like gave a show like she really was out here performing and the one consistent comment i kept seeing from gay black men was like it was like not it wasn't a consistent comment i kept seeing but the the consist like the consensus i should say from a lot of gay black men was she's not enough oh she doesn't sing they kept picking her apart and i was looking at it because i'm like wait a minute wait 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 whoa you niggas that live for cassie are yeah. commenting on her vocal ability yeah you're Sierra's biggest fan, but you're saying she can't sing. You are saying, you know, like, there it, it, it was that thing, oh, she, she can't sing. She can't sing. She's trying too hard to be like Beyonce. She's not pretty enough. All these things. And I kept, it was baffling to me because I'm like, what am I looking at? Like, what is wrong with this young lady for everyone to be saying all these things, right? And it was like... The only thing that I personally could think of was, like, y'all have an issue with her being dark-skinned. Because it's not the vocal thing, because there's dozens of these bitches that can't keep a note. Exactly. When has singing ever mattered? What, like, singing industry? has not mattered in the music industry seriously for, like, at least 20 years now. Like, when has that mattered? Come on. At least 20 years now. Like, that Why has not have to been stop trying to the, standard. the standard. We, it's like, we, it's like we, we do this thing... We keep trying to set the bar higher and higher and higher. As soon as someone is keep moving the needle, they they keep moving the needle. They they keep moving the needle because it's like as soon as you get close, oh oh oh, but you forgot this. Right, right. Especially gay black, and it's funny because it, it it often comes from gay black men, and I wonder if it's the the struggle we have with not being enough for ourselves, to where we try to perpetuate that in you know other people. Because oh, we, we always look for something to, to tear down, right? It's, yes, yes, the performance was good, but, you know, her outfit was trash. Or, you know, um, even, like I said, back to the, the with the Normani thing, and I want to kind of stay there for a second because I'm going gonna, gonna, I'm gonna to get off track. But, like, it was so hard for, for a lot of the, the complaints I kept seeing to be just justified because it was like, and I don't want to keep using Cassie, but it was like, why is Cassie enough, but Normani's not enough? Oh, because Cassie is light-skinned with full lips, and she's quote-unquote pretty. You know, why is Rihanna enough? to a powerful man. Why is Rihanna enough? Now, we know why Rihanna's enough. Because <laughs> she's that girl. But, <laughs> but no, seriously, why is it that, like, Rihanna's enough, but she doesn't perform as well as Normani does? Like, let's keep it a buck. She does not put on that kind of a show. Now, Rihanna is not that kind of a performer. She does something completely different. But, like, we've never seen Rihanna, you know, freaking throw herself around a stage and land in a split, you know, mid-performance like Normani has done, right? But she's still more than enough. I mean, we know that because she's that girl. Like, why is Beyonce enough? Beyonce didn't start out on top. Like, we've all allowed Beyonce the space to continue to we, to continue to grow and become the better artist that she's become. B didn't start out with the best voice. 
right? She's refined her her instrument to where it is now. But that comes with age, and that comes with time, and that comes with with grace. And we've given now. Now I'm not saying either of these women had had have had easy paths, right? They've all had to fight for things. They've all had to to prove themselves. And Normani definitely still has to do that herself. But for me, it felt like the one thing that I kept seeing from people that had like all these little things they were trying to pick at. It it was like, just say it. You don't think she's quote unquote pretty. And a lot of the women that you do think are quote-unquote pretty happen to look a certain way. They happen to fit a standard of beauty that's just not realistic for every woman. So as gay black men, we need to hold ourselves accountable in that regard. I completely agree. So, yeah. So I don't want (laughs) to... I don't want to make this too long because we could talk about this forever. Like I said, we haven't even touched... On the, the, the trans part of it. We haven't even spoken on the, the tension between gay black men and lesbian <laughs> women. So there's so, so, so much that we could discuss. But I don't want to sit here and talk everyone's ear off. So we'll just have to re- revisit this. But before we do, um, is there anything else that you want to touch on, Malik? Real quick? No? Yeah. I mean, so just real quick. I mean, I just think overall that... If everybody, if, if everybody just does their part and continues to try to lift others up and bring them in, I think we'll be better. But it's Absolutely. like everyone has their own agenda, you right. know, and, and, and we don't see the togetherness. Like, if you build a fucking handicap, you know, a, a handicap ramp, everyone uses it, not just handicapped people. I walk up the handicap ramp all the time. Listen. But it's a... But it's important little, that, that we little, have one for those That people. little button to open the door. Who who don't press that button? Because I press that button Let me tell you, time. I press that button and I pump. Like, I, and, <laughs> I, and I be walking through those doors thinking I'm doing a goddamn Beyonce experience. Right. So like, that, that's is, my moment. When those doors open, I'm like, oh, yes, I've arrived. Yes. Bitch, I have arrived. That's what I'm saying yeah. is it's important for us I'm just to here. see each other more. Right. And to understand that, hey, just because I bring you in doesn't mean that I, I'm like you. But it means that I'm bringing you in because you're human. And it's like we just need to start realizing that we're all in this together, obviously. Si se puede. Yeah. Yes, we can. We're okay. all in this together. I was just going to sing that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, I, think that, I think that's a, a beautiful way to end it. Um, and that's going to be it for this week's Growing Up Gay. We... We love like you I guys. said, we um, we've cut the wind down segment for now. Um, we're we are like I said, we're working on the show. We have things planned. Things will be changing over the next few months for the better of the show. And we hope you guys take heed to those changes and continue to support us and love us. But if there is anything that you would like for us to discuss, as always, please, please, Let please reach know. out to us. Email us. Email us. DM us. Text, text us. us. All of the above. Send you can a reach video, me. send some nudes <laughs> with it. Um, don't, don't. You're not doing that. <laughs> you can reach myself um, via Twitter at underscore Vaughn, or you can email me, Vaughn at growingupgay.com. Um, that's growing, G R O W I N. There's no G there. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I'm like totally like fucking talking over you today. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> Follow me at uh, Malik Khalid, M A L I K 
K H A L I D Yoga and um, register for Penthouse Yoga on the 17th at 11 o'clock. Yes. And please make sure you rate us five stars on iTunes. Uh, make sure you tell a friend, queer or not, about the show. Um, and as always, hope you all have a blessed and wonderful weekday, hour, life. And we'll catch you all next week. Love you guys. Bye. Oh,